G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, the times they are are changing and the attitudes that people have towards the church are coming to light in significant ways and especially when you get into some sort of contentious conversation about some of the big ethical issues that we're facing as a nation. But I wonder whether you have your own thoughts on what people think about Christians today. Well, Jenny Stokes joining us because the way people are perceiving the church, perceiving Christians, is coming from a base which is quite unusual. Uh, Jenny Stokes, welcome back to 2020. Great to be back here. Jenny, you have conversations regularly, as many of our listeners would too, and hearing the perceptions that people have of Christians and, more broadly, the perceptions that people have of the church. And there is a sense, isn't there, that people are more and more bold in even declaring that somehow or other the church is actually evil. What are your thoughts? Well, that's certainly a, a word that uh, we haven't heard so much lately, but it was interesting that in Senator Erica Betts' speech last week, he talked about that, that it's often this common atheist perception that, you know, Christianity is evil. And uh, so it was very interesting this week to find an article by Arcos Blog. Now, we, we read his blog recently. I'd encourage people to look it up. It's A-K-A-O-S-B-A-L-O-G-H. And he's actually been working with you, uh, with students on the campuses in, in New South Wales and with the Fellowship of Evangelical Students. So he's very used to engaging with students. And he's actually got an article this week which actually picks up the same theme and it's called The Unexpected Truth That Shocked Atheist Students. And the subtitle is The Surprising Link Between Christianity and Western Morality. Now many of us who've studied Christian worldview or worldviews generally know that the foundation of our Western culture is actually the Christian worldview. And that without that, you know, you, it's very hard to actually find um, a basis for morality and for what, what's right and wrong. How do we decide what's right and wrong if we don't have a basis for doing that? So he starts his uh, article with the sentence, he said, a secular university isn't a place you'll hear unexpected truths about Christianity. Now, sure, you'll hear about the evil things that Christians have done throughout history, but such a roll call of evil acts is not news, let alone a shock to many atheist students who often consume a steady diet of Dawkins, Hitchens and Harris. And so that was an interesting um, beginning to that because they are told, you know, these are the bad things that Christianity's done. And yet they're not told all the good things about the, the hospitals, the pro-life ethic, the, um, all of the things, education and other things that Christianity has actually been at the forefront of. It's a little bit like a psychological revisionism. Uh, I remember just over these past few years where all those debates over what sort of content ought to be included in the education curriculum and uh, the idea of putting back in uh, those Christian elements of our history so that students are not missing those. But there is almost a a psychological revisionism that comes when people are listening to high-profile atheists who 
only want to point out the bad things of the past. And those things might actually be quite small compared to the good that comes from our faith, Christianity. Well, that's right. And uh, the particular example he picks up, and if I can just highlight that, is Tim Keller is writing, and he gives the example of Professor of History C. John Somerville from the University of Florida. And in his classes, what he did was... Uh, he used to demonstrate to students how thoroughly Christianized they were, even those who were atheistic or anti-religious. And he would list the values of shame and honor cultures like pagan Northern Europe before the advent of Christian missionaries, including things like pride, the ethic of revenge, the instilling of fear, and, and so on, and talk about those. But then he actually uh, continued by, by listing corresponding values from Christian cultures, um, which had been unknown to the pagans of Europe, he says. Things like humility, forgiveness, peaceableness and service to others, along with an equal respect for the dignity of all people made in God's image. And he then goes on, he said, many of Somerville's most anti-religious students were surprised to learn just how deeply they'd been influenced by ways of thinking and living that had grown out of biblical ideas and had been passed on through onto them through complex social and cultural processes. So it's actually this culture that actually teaches people about loyalty and service and forgiveness and humility um, that actually comes through that. And we're at risk when we actually try and diminish Christianity, we're at risk of losing those. And he, he finished that with, if I just say, his point was that much of what is good and unique about Western civilization is actually, and we use this phrase a lot as well, borrowed capital from a Christian faith even though the supernatural elements of the faith have been otherwise neglected of late in the public sphere. And it's this borrowed capital that, that I think many, many people, including many atheists, actually don't understand what's happening. So how should we be understanding that borrowed capital, Jenny? Because we're talking about a generation that was before Australian colonisation uh, that was really uh, dating right back into the Great Awakenings in England. And, of course, we can go right back to Reformation and, of course, uh, counter-Reformations and depending on which side of the fence you want to sit on. But all of this Christian history has been a part of the formation of culture. Well, that's that's right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important as, as Christians that we know about our Christian worldview, and that actually includes this understanding of how it's actually been influential throughout history. And so one of the comments at the very end, uh, a, a person came on and recommended two books, and they're two books that we would recommend as well. And interestingly, they were two books that Erica Betts specifically mentioned in his speech last week, which I thought was actually amazing. One was Vishal Mangalwadi's book called The Book That Made Your World, how the Bible created the soul of Western civilization, and another book that we have sold many, many copies over the years uh, by a man called Alvin J. Schmidt, and it's uh, it's called How Christianity Changed the World, and it's really a look at how all of the things like medicine and science and education were all influenced and set up really by Christians. Well, uh, one of those books you mentioned, Vishal Mangalwadi's book, The Book That Made Your World, one of my favourite books of all time. And uh, so I recommend listeners get a hold of it wherever you can and have a good read. And the other one was Alvin J. Schmidt. Uh, let's talk about atheism for a few moments because in a culture which is secularised, uh, atheism has gained in prominence and uh, the thought of atheism it's almost like it's disguised Jenny as not being a religion itself but to be theist is to be religious but to be atheist is it's also a religious position isn't it? 
Well, we've always said that that's the case, and, and that's why we actually like the world worldview, because all of these are belief systems. They're philosophies, belief systems, they're structured, and so even for the atheist person, they might be saying, well, we don't believe in God, but they have to have some structure, you know, at least some philosophical structure for actually saying where they get their values and beliefs from. Um, I had a very interesting conversation. I, I often have a conversation with an interesting man who's a lawyer and uh, a a, a sceptic and actually an a office bearer in a sceptic organisation. And one of those is actually about the foundation. Where do we get morality from if you don't have the Bible? And he sort of said, well, you know, we go back to the Greek and Roman culture and so on. And yet, if we go back to the Greek and Roman times, they weren't particularly moral in the way that we would see it. And it was often Christians who went out and rescued the babies that were abandoned and and other things, and we had things like the, you know, the gladiator sports and being thrown to the Christians, being thrown to the lions. So it was actually quite a, a brutal culture if you weren't actually on the the ruling side, if you like. So, you know, to actually, and of course I sort of said, well, we actually go back to the beginnings of the Bible. Um, you know, if we believe that, you know, God created the world, He He gave. Uh, um, Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, and then when they were they were put out of there, they had you know particular rules and, and ways of living. And over time, um, they were given the commandments through Moses and other other things. So there was a whole set of moral values that were inculcated into the people um, at that time, and many of those are things that we still rely on today. Um, the Ten Commandments. I've had people, you know, uh, a well-known agnostic has told me that you know I'm not I can't come at the religious faith bit but that the Ten Commandments are the best set of rules we have for living and I think many people see those Ten Commandments do not murder don't commit adultery don't covet that they're actually good principles on which we can actually you know get our moral values from I can see the good in those Ten Commandments uh, but there's a perception isn't there that God being the big lawmaker uh, when you talk about God being a lawmaker, it's almost like people talk about the big party pooper, the fun police. Uh, but uh, that's a misunderstanding of God who gives those laws as a reflection of his own character. But those are a reflection of love and give us the capacity to be able to love one another. Well, that's exactly, exactly right. And many people refer to Jesus and, and the, the commands that he gave. And he talked about the first command is to love God. And, of course, that's the first four of the Ten Commandments, is to love God, and there's various things we need to do in doing that, and to love our neighbor. And if we actually follow those, what most, some people might see the rules or the laws, but to actually have that attitude where we put our neighbor first, we're actually thinking of the other person, and we get those things like loyalty and love and care and humility and forgiveness and all of those things actually all relate to that. And, of course, from our New Testament perspective, we often see those as the fruits of the Spirit, that if, if we're actually following Jesus, then those fruits are actually evident in our life that we are, as we relate to others. So it's all very interesting when you come to that New Testament perspective. It's not, as you say, we're not just bound by negative laws, but that there is incredible fruits and, uh, and generosity of spirit that comes through as we really you know, follow the model that Jesus himself put forward. Jenny, here's the important point of our conversation today. Because there is this perception that is growing in the community that somehow or other Christianity has become irrelevant, people are against God, they're even seeing the church or Christianity as being evil, are we beyond a 
tipping point? Is it the case that lots and lots of people are are against the church and then they are somehow rather cast out into uh, you know, an ocean without an anchor, uh, bobbing around and okay on top of the water at the moment, but really uh, without a foundation, without an anchor, there are troubled times ahead where they will need uh, some of the foundation principles that we understand as Christian believers. Uh, but if they're out on the water just floating around, uh, they're not likely to have much chance. Well, I think that's, that's a challenge to all of us, that we actually need to, in, in, as we engage with, with people who we meet who perhaps don't understand the Christian worldview, that we can actually do that. We can talk with people, we can share books with them, we can refer to some of these things. If we've read Visual Mangalwadi or Alvin Schmidt, we'll actually have that information to be able to share with people about the influence of Christianity as well, of course, as that personal faith matter as well. But sometimes it's the big picture. If people reject the big picture of Christianity and they think that it's a negative thing, then they're not actually then open to hearing the personal message as well of, um, of Christ dying for us. So it's, it's sometimes the big picture that actually opens that door. And I, there was a very interesting quote in Arcos's article, and if I might just, um, just include that as we finish. Um, Italian philosopher Marcello Pera, who's an agnostic, had this to say, and it's important that he's an agnostic because he said, without the Christian vision of the human person, our political life is doomed to become the mere exercise of power. Our encounter with the other, the poor, the sick, the dying, the needy or outcast of any gender, race or age can only deteriorate into violence and manipulation and our civilization will cut itself off from the principles that first baptized and nurtured it. And his book, even though he's an agnostic, is why we should call ourselves Christian. And I think that's, that's a really telling point from somebody who says, Look, I haven't got that personal, um, the faith, personal, spiritual aspect, but I can see that all of this is really important to our civilization. Well, Jenny, always good insights and a different type of conversation today, but I'm sure listeners will appreciate hearing your heartbeat on this issue. And and I know that you are oftentimes putting all sorts of articles up on your site at the Salt Shakers website. I'll encourage people to Google Salt Shakers and catch up on the latest articles that are listed there. And to have a look, I haven't yet posted Arcos Blog's article, but have a look at Arcos Blog's website because there's some really fascinating articles on his site. Jenny Stokes, great talking. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Great to be with you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.